Thank you so much for tuning into the Slow Wealth Podcast. That is Success Lives on Elevation. I am Kendra. And Ramon. And as we have with our previous shows, we always start off with a powerful motivational quote. It starts by saying, the world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. How you like me now? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, y'all. We are so glad that you have tuned in. We have a good one for you today. I'm actually pretty excited about this one. Um, It uh, is the subject is about Wells Fargo rejecting half its black applicants in the mortgage refinancing boom. So picture it real quick, Ramon. Picture it. Mm -hmm. Sicily. No, I'm just playing. So picture it. Valentine's Day 2020. You're in a beautiful brick colonial four-bedroom home in the suburbs of Austin. You, Ramon, are Microsoft Corp engineer married to me, a doctor. We have credit scores north of 800 putting us in America's credit elite. We were told that we are eligible for a fast track appraisal, which happens in the refinancing process, y'all. Lo and behold, this cloud storm comes and tells us, you know what? We cannot finance the home because Perhaps the area is not eligible. What the F happens now? So if we do, we meaning the bank, Wells Fargo, refinance, it'll be at a higher percentage than what you're paying now in 2020 when rates were significantly lower. Mm, mm, mm. See, picture it. It happens all the time to us. And people be thinking we out here just, oh, they always trying to use the race card. No. We've been black all our lives. We know a lot of times we know how to discern when shit is happening to us and when it's not. Let's be real. (laughs) I mean, come on now. I mean, you know, it, it took for people to get murdered on TV for them to believe, okay, we're being killed by cops for no reason, for little or no reason. And now this has been proven. Well, I mean, it's always been there. I mean, you know, Wells Fargo, a lot of these big lenders, they've always been in the news about something discriminatory, Mm -hmm. especially Wells Fargo. I mean, they had lawsuits that they had to settle Back in 2012 for like $184, $186 million. Now, if they hadn't settled, what was the number that you would have came up with or that you came up with? No, it's not. The number I, did, I came up with wasn't them not settling. Mm-hmm. The number I came up with was uh, the the payout that they had to pay, $186 million. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a lot of money mm-hmm. to it's a not. bank. You yes. know, that's especially... Wells Fargo is the biggest home originator in the country. Mm-hmm. That's billions of dollars. Right. Home purchases, refinances. So $186 million to them is like us spending $20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you took, because in here, you know, in this article, I know specifically, which is on uh, well, Bloomberg.com, you just do a quick Google search. You know, um, it talks about how Wells Fargo, you know, I think all the way going back to 2004, have always had some kind of discriminatory practices. So them having to pay $186 million. And if you look at that, um, as far as how much that they, black and Hispanic uh, homeowners have paid versus whites and Asians. Mm-hmm. On a monthly basis over thirty years. You talking about have paid in mortgage rates? Right. So Okay. So let's say in this article, the whites whites and Asians um paid about a percent less than black homeowners. But black homeowners compared to Wells Fargo, they only approved uh what forty seven percent of their black applicants. Right. 
right, versus 72 percent of the white applicants. Mm-hmm. So Wells Fargo just like I don't know, they throwing darts at the wall or something, you know, when it comes to us. But that if you look at like an average home, the way I got that number was this. I took the average home price of $300,000, just for example. If the interest rates back in COVID, remember, they were low 3%. So let's just take, say, 3.5%. Mm-hmm. A 3.5% interest rate on a $300,000 loan is like $1,347 a month. If the same $300,000 at a 4.5% interest rate is is $1,520 a month. That's $173 extra per month, mm-hmm. right? That a person, black homeowners basically on average are going to pay more than their white and Asian counterparts. Uh, if you took that $173, $173 a month times 360, which is 360 months is 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's the average home residential loan. It comes to like $62,000 and something dollars. Wow. My uh, Wells Fargo ended up only approving throughout this whole since 2020 like 17,000 and some black applicant applicants when it came to home refinancing. Mm-hmm. So if you took that $62,000 times it by 17,000, it's over a billion dollars. Damn. So if those applicants keep those homes and pay on those loans for the next 30 years. Wells Fargo will still have made over a billion dollars, which is really more when you talk about interest and what they do with all that money. Mm-hmm. So that $186 million was nothing. It should have been $1.8 billion if they really want to be talking about something. Right, right. You know what I mean? So, uh, But, of course, they get ambulance chasers to represent them yeah, ben in Crump. this lawsuit. So, anyway, I don't even get myself started on him. <laughs> anyway, we talked about, we picked this subject because obviously, you know, since 2020 and, uh, you know, the interest rates were, you know, historically low, you know, even under two uh, under 3%. Um, and, like, the low twos, depending if you take a 15, 15-year loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, which now, the arms... The adjustable rate mortgages mm-hmm. are getting at a all time high because the regular thirty year mortgage interest rates are high as hell. Okay. So a lot of people are going to you know get an adjustable rate mortgage you know like a five year uh, arm right because the interest rates are lower. Um, but either way, you know like I said we picked this because this. All of this affected a lot of black and um, Hispanic homeowners. You know, it kept a lot of us from being able to refinance our own uh, or refinancing at a higher interest rate. A lot of us got turned down. Right. A lot of us was well qualified for it and got turned down. You got a 750, 800 credit score, been on your job, got a good job, everything, credit good, and you still get turned down. Right. So, you know, when you talk about redlining, Yes, they don't do it and not as open as they were back in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 60s. (laughs) but they still do it, and they do it in this kind of way, and Wells Fargo is just kind of like, they they say they don't, but they pretty much like, you know, yeah, we doing it, you know what I mean? If you look at gentrification, that's a way of doing it. Yeah. You look at the zip code, you look at the area, and you look at all the applicants and who with the app, because you, you know... You don't have to put your race on the application, but, you know, I think most people do. So they looking and seeing, oh, okay, well, we got, you know, 90% of these applications in this area, this neighborhood are white. The other 10% are, you know, other minorities, right? Black, Hispanics, or whatever. Oh, okay, well, hey, we're going to approve all 90% of these these, uh, whites, you know, and or Asians, but we're only going to approve maybe 1% or 2% of the, the minorities. Right, we can you can you can <laughs> you can redline a neighborhood without saying it. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that they can do. These lenders can do where they can approve and deny certain loans and to certain people to come in these neighborhoods. So when you start seeing these neighborhoods being gentrified, and you start seeing all this money, you know, a lot of time is not because black or Hispanic people cannot afford to be in that neighborhood. Sometimes they are denied. Denied. And what's so funny about the denial is 
most times when Wells Fargo, um, you know, with their approval ratings, uh, 40, again, that's 47% of black applicants were um, approved as opposed to, just opposed to 80% of whites. Wells Fargo refinancing approval rates were higher for the lowest income white applicants in 2020 than for all but the highest income black applicants. That means it don't matter how much your black ass made <laughs> per year. You are going up against someone who makes less than you or possibly significantly less. So and the if low, they were white, mm-hmm. they were going to be approved regardless of how much money you make and your credit score. So let's be real here. Um, because like Ramon said, with gentrification, this is a plus for them. Because that means, because this uh, the person that we initially talked about at the at the beginning of this podcast, he was a black man living in a predominantly elite black neighborhood in the suburbs of Atlanta. And if you refinance in areas that are concentrated with black and Latino peoples, you probably won't get, uh, you probably won't be able to refinance with banks in your area. Well, as far as goes, uh, specifically but wait a minute though there's 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 more to this okay so if a wells fargo or any other bank is basically in the hood mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. not only will you have issues with getting your home refinanced but what they do is if you do want to get your home refinanced let's say you do right? Mm -hmm. You're not dealing with that Wells Fargo that's down the street from you. You dealing with somebody that's in a Wells Fargo that's in a totally different area, Uh right? Because they were also saying in cities like Atlanta, Baltimore, Philadelphia, when black applicants would um, apply for um, refine or, you know, would uh, send applications for refinancing in predominantly black zip codes, Mm -hmm. the loan officers were in white areas. Mm -hmm. So how is somebody going to help me in my neighborhood and understand what our neighborhood needs if you all the way out in the suburbs, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the nearest Wells Fargo loan officer available to homeowners, we're just going to use this as an example, in New Haven, Connecticut, in 2020, which was a hot spot for denials, according to the Bloomberg analysis, um, was in Westport, which is about 25 miles away. And I remember specifically when we were helping my mom refinance her home, and I was talking to uh, the the mortgage officer. He was black too. Um, speaking to him, and I said, "Oh, do you work at the one you know this by my mom's house?" He was like, "No, I'm all they. They got me all the way out here." So that would have been like what twenty miles away. Mm, not uh, probably not that much, but I mean, yeah, it, it was it was far. It's far. And that was what U.S. Bank. No, that wasn't U.S. Bank. Yeah, okay. That was a um, a credit oh, union. Credit union. Mm-hmm. It was a credit union. We're not going to say any names. But credit unions are typically better to do business as far as mortgages and even called auto loans because they are not profit. You know, mm-hmm. they they give you better interest rates. They're for the they're for the neighborhood. Right. These bigger banks where you know Chase and Wells Fargo and all them they. It'll scam you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give you them higher interest rates. They will. But see, what bothers me the most is that they'll put their banks in our neighborhood and give you auto loans, right? At, it's predatory lending. Yeah, it, it is. It, at its finest. But what's so funny is, is if you go to those banks that's in the hood, a lot of times they do not have loan officers in those branches. Mm-hmm. You know, which is very troubling. Because they're not lending to homes. So you got, like you said, a lot of uh, neighborhoods with minorities, the the renters 
the percentage of renters is higher than the percentage of homeowners. Now that's a discussion we had earlier, yeah. y'all. <laughs> but that's you know that's not to say that oh they're not qualified to own a home. Mm-hmm. You know that could just mean that they they get denied. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to go to other lenders. Uh, but Wells Fargo just consistently stays denying. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, mo So they like look. Yeah, it, it's a dis- it's definitely a discriminatory disparity. Like for example, right, Wells Fargo approved in 2020 for refinancing applications, 72 percent of white applicants, 67 percent of Asian applicants, 53 percent of Hispanic applicants. And forty seven percent of black Africans. And that and and to say that that does not mean that they had better credit scores. I'm sure some of them did. They may have you know what I mean, other twenty five percent But listen gap. Right, right. But I'm not i I'm not saying that every white person well, Hold up, let me let me know, finish because... or every Asian person or every that's Hispanic true, right? Person but let me wasn't finish. qualified to get that loan, right. but we know more black people were qualified to get the loans. Even they if they it. wasn't, this is where it doesn't make sense. This is when you go to court, and Wells Fargo, you got some explaining to do. You got some explaining. This, this is where it don't make sense. So Wells Fargo again only approved forty-seven percent of black applications for refinancing in twenty twenty. Words. 72% of white applicants they approve. 25% gap. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talked about all other lenders, you know, your rocking mortgages and and you know, every every other lender. They approved 87% of white applications for refinancing. 85% of Asian applications. 79% of Hispanic applications and 71% of black applications. So every other lender approves 71% of refinance uh, applications with black people. But Wells Fargo only did 47%. Right. And U.S. law has long been held that the desperate impact on minority communities can be evidence of the institutional discrimination meaning regulators don't have to prove a bank was engaging in deliberate racism to show that it broke fair lending or fair housing laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they know what they put. Listen, these banks, they got clout. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they know how to write stuff, and they don't care about what you're saying. Oh, they're going to still make money. And the reason why this is important, it's not just about refinancing to get a lower interest rate. This is generational wealth, folks. Yeah, because of this gap <laughs> in, in, in these lenders approving these applications for 2020 refinancing, that saved white applicants $3.8 billion. So just think about the money that we're losing in refinancing. You know, whether they charge you a higher interest rate for just living in a black neighborhood and being black, and you still got that uh, credit score north of 800, you got the great career. I mean, if if this man in Atlanta and his wife were, they would be considered almost the black elite. I mean, because she's a doctor and he's an engineer and you have an 800 credit score and you're still not able to get approved? With somebody that you're probably banking with, I don't understand why people still bank, why black people still bank with Wells Fargo. That baffles me. Sometimes, you know, it's it's hard, whether it's physically or mentally, to move away from a bad situation because you get complacent, you know, especially if you have all your money there, you got all your accounts, you got everything set up, you got auto draft, you got all all these things set up with your account. Where now, if you have to switch banks, you got to look at all that stuff that you got to do now just to switch. Some people are like, look, I don't, you know what? Forget it. I don't got time for it. Yeah. I just want to do nothing else with them. 
you know what I mean? But I'll leave this now. I'm gonna say now when when they start messing with black folks' money, money. then oh, we yeah. then we get time. You know, mm-hmm. all right, I got time today. But mm-hmm. you know, if they don't and it's already a situation, you know, they're like, all right, I'll just leave it alone. You know what I mean? But uh when you talk about a transfer of wealth since twenty twenty, this is one thing we were really talking about. This was the transfer of wealth because a lot of white applicants versus black you'll see the big difference in the money. They mm-hmm. save money when they refinance. They save money when they bought. They was able to buy, for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They was able to, to, to buy a home. So you got to think now, the people who were the white applicants, they were approved to buy homes at historically low interest rates that is locked in for 30 years where you got denied and now you're renting and your rent is only locked in for a year. You don't know what your rent going to be next year. Right. And and the problem, I'm just regurgitating a statement here. The problem is certainly broader than any one bank and gets at the root cause of racial wealth, of, of the racial wealth gap in the U.S. housing. Activists have long been pointed to a history of mortgage discrimination and resulting in disparities in home ownership rates as the uh, major source of enduring wealth inequality. Um, A typical white family had eight times more wealth than a black one, according to um, a Fed survey uh, that was published in 2019. By the end of September, 2021, Fed separately, uh, excuse me, separate Fed quarterly wealth data showed the gap between white and black Americans had widened by 20 trillion during the pandemic. So the pandemic was a pandemic. Yeah, it was less. It, I mean, the I disparity mean, was growing. It, it was just, significantly you could, growing. You know what? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that COVID wasn't real. I'm not going to go into that. But at the same time, you got to look at what actually happened. Yeah. You know, you could talk about the people that died, that got sick or whatever. Okay, cool. But what happened behind the scenes that people wasn't talking about, and this is this. You're talking about $20 trillion difference. That was a transfer of wealth, mm-hmm. right? If I have a home and I bought it for 300000 you know, five, 10 years ago, whatever, and it's now worth 800000 because of the market appreciation, and now I sold it, and now I walk away with 500000 and now I say, hey, I want to move to, to Austin. I want to move to Boston, or I want to move to Seattle, wherever, and I got $500,000. I can buy, I probably can buy a house cash in that place, or put down a big down payment, mm-hmm. and interest rates is low. So right. now I can get into neighborhoods that you, as a black or Hispanic person, right, who didn't own a home, you're renting. Or oh, I put that money on a property where now I can just charge you rent. That's only locked in for a year, remember? Mm-hmm. Or if I own a home and I didn't sell it, and I say, hey, I want to refi because a couple of years ago, my interest rate was four and a half, five percent Oh, but now they're in the threes. So that's going to save me two, three, four hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Where you're not saving because you're still renting. Right. Or you have a house and you, you can't refi or you can refi, but it's going to be at a, a higher percentage. So you're like, it doesn't make sense for me to. There were so many different things that happened during this pandemic that was just a clear uh, transfer of wealth. And it widened the wealth gap between, you know, whites and blacks that people just weren't really looking at. And it just shows you time and time again, buying a house Unless it's for investment purposes, as your first, you know, move, it just it doesn't help you, you know, especially when you have things that set up the way that they are. <clears throat> um, and when you look at the overall lending uh, process as far as the home refinances since 2020, black people had the lowest approval rate. You know, we can scream and talk about this all the time. People can deny it and shy away from it, and oh, it doesn't know. This is proven. This is statistically proven, mm-hmm. right? 4.9 million applicants who were white had an approval rate of 87% of refinancing. So 87% of refinances that were applied for by white people got approved. 
That was four point nine million. And we don't even know if all those people had the credit scores of eight hundred or what but, their salaries but, were. But, check but going back, real quick, going back to what what finish, was proven. Though. Oh, I'm sorry. Finish, I'm sorry. So four point nine million was white. Five hundred and seventy nine thousand were Asian. They had an eighty five percent approval rate. Four hundred sixty nine thousand were Hispanic. They had a 78% approval rate. 254,000 were black. That's a 70%. They had a 70% approval rate. So you may think, oh, 70%, that's still high. But that's still the lowest out of everybody. Mm -hmm. With the lowest number of applicants. 254,000 black applicants. 4.9 million white applicants. Again... That's the difference in the home. Wells Fargo refinancial approval approval rates were higher for the lowest income white applicants in 2020 than Ooh. for all but the highest income black applicants. The other thing we need to talk about, okay? So, a study was done to find that the average black home was valued at 48000 less than its white equivalent. That differential amounts to $156 billion in missing black wealth. Now there's another transfer of wealth because now they're getting you. They're not only getting you on the interest rate. They're not only getting you because they're denying you to buy a home, which you could have taken advantage for if you were to sell it right in that appreciation. They're not only getting you if you want to refinance, right? They're denying your refinance or they're... Say, hey, we'll refinance you, but at a higher rate, charging you more money. But they're also getting your ass on the appraisal. Mm -hmm. Because how many times have we seen stories of black homeowners come in to get appraisal, and then it's come, the appraisal come in low, and then they get another appraisal and they take all the pictures and anything that look black in the and house then down. And have a white, have a white friend or ally or whomever come to their house. And then they get praised like double. So now you're thinking of all that money that black homeowners are missing out on the appreciation, the equity of their home versus whites, right? If that's that white couple and now their home is appraised for 800000 versus the black couple, the same home, same type, maybe even in the same neighborhood gets appraised for 500000 that's $300,000 damn dollars. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot with that. You can that, do a lot. I can put you in a whole nother <laughs> neighborhood. That could that can do so much for you in your in your family. So I mean, black people. I mean, we man, knowledge is power, right? We we mentally, physically, we getting they getting us. Yeah. Experts say though, Ramon, beyond credit scores and appraisal biases, two things have stood out as the cause of the disparities in the refinancing boom. So we're just talking about recent, modern day, from 2020 up until today. The impact of lenders uh, prepared... How do you say that? Proprietary? Proprietary (laughs) algorithms or uh, overlays and the failure of policymakers um, to mandate streamlined refinancing program now what do you think about that yeah especially when they talk about the overlays we talked about the overlays before because the overlays is like when fha say hey you only need a 580 credit score mm-hmm. but that lender said no we need we asking a 620 mm-hmm. see that's a that's what they call an overlay that's the you know an exception right yeah fha only requires this but we're the lender we, we require this because we're taking, we're going around, we're taking that loan, we're just selling it back. So we want to make sure that you have all, you hit all these key points. Mm-hmm. You know, your credit score right, you know, your debt to income ratio, you know, all of this stuff. And the problem is a lot of black owners, homeowners or potential homeowners are meeting these mm-hmm. and still getting denied. Yeah, it's digital redlining, disguised yeah. Yeah. in so-called neutral algorithms, which was said by Rohit Chopra, of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Like I said, they don't, you know, like when they say, you know, when a police, you know, officer kills somebody or anything, and they say, oh, he got fired. It's like, he didn't get fired, he just got transferred. Yeah. Right? So when he going to take that energy somewhere else. You know, they stopped slavery. Slavery, you know, the 
what they used to do, right. you know, out the in the open slavery. and everything. Yeah. But now they have the mass incarceration, right? Redlining mm-hmm. is stopped in a sense, but like you said, now it's digital. We found other ways to mm-hmm. redline without actually taking the map and drawing out. And, and, that, and back then, I'm saying, <laughs> uh, no, you cannot live here. Right. Because you Or not, we will not loan there. We will not loan to you. Mm-hmm. We will not sell to you because of what you look like, right? They could say that, right? They could put that in the paper. Mm-hmm. Where they can't do that now, it's like, oh, okay, hmm, how can we still do it? We're using the bank still. You know what I'm saying? We could deny applications. We could use some generic as excuse. You know what I mean? We could... Black people, Hispanic people, knowledge is power. The knowledge more you know, power. the more you grow. So <laughs> as long as you... Listen, if you figure this out, and why we push multifamily so hard, because when you think about this, when you talk about homes... See, this is going to be a little different when you start to try to buy multifamily because this is income-based. Now, it's still residential. Right. But they can't use your income because you got income in the building. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And as long as your credit is cool, as long as you make sure that's straight, and FHA is designed for people, you know, it's not strictly for you, but it it does help people who are low income, Mm -hmm. you know, lower on the lower end of the credit score. So, you know, can't you say, oh, we deny you because you're low credit score. Well, that's what the FHA helps for. Oh, we can't deny you. You know, we can't prove you because, you know, you don't make enough income. Okay, well, I got two or three other tenants that's going to help towards that. Yeah. So, during... <laughs> what? Okay, so, during COVID is when a lot of the changes took effect. And when I think of it... I think of this story that this elderly woman told this newspaper. She saw this nice young man that was helping her with her groceries, and he took her purse. Mm, yeah, they, he uh, was helping her with her groceries and took her purse. She didn't realize it until she, you know, was in her car, blah blah blah, drove off. He took her purse, but he was helping her, you know. Yeah. So. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that, you know, like what's that, you know, that statement, uh, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, blah, blah, blah. sleight of hand That's trick. like, yeah, exactly. And that's what he did to her. He was like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm taking her, I'm going to take her for everything she got right now, mm. but I'm going to help her with her groceries. So if I can focus your attention on one thing, your mind is taking off what I'm really doing, what's really going on. Mm. Because... This, we're not talking, I mean, although this has been going on for centuries, (laughs) you know, when it comes to racial disparity and and the black and Latino community, we are only talking about the last two to three years. (laughs) This is, this is modern day. This is recent. This is something that has definitely come to um, fruition now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that. It's almost fact-based. The only reason why I'm using the word almost is because Wells Fargo can say and has said that they didn't really have any part in discrimination. So when a lot of these companies have this blanket statement that says that we don't discriminate against this, that, blah, 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 polka dots and rainbows and, um, you know, just everything. It's like, really? Come on now. Ain't nobody stupid. You're not speaking for everybody that works at the, for this company because a lot of them people just needed a job. They say any fucking, or excuse me, they'll say anything. Tell it like it is. They'll <laughs> say anything to get that job and that paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, to get in that door. No, we love everybody. And then, <laughs> and then you giving them the power to say with that pen, okay, yeah, we, we love everybody. But you live here and we don't loan there. Now, see, these are how this is how um, whites are able to come into black and Latino areas and gentrify our neighborhoods because we can't get financing. But see, now, now, look, I'm going to tell you the good thing about multifamily again in this situation. (laughs) Right. They raise the interest rates, you know, on you. If you try to refinance, that's fine. You just raise the rents on your tenants Mm -hmm. to cover that. Right. Um, but when you think about them denying all these homeowners, these are in home neighborhoods. 
when you think about multifamily like duplex, triplex, four units, most of those kind of properties, mm -hmm. the neighborhood is going to look like that. So you're not going to have all single family homes and then two, three duplexes, triplexes, and four units normally. There might be a few neighborhoods where it's like that, but normally, if you see one duplex, you're going to see several. You know, if you see one fourplex, you're going to see several, mm -hmm. you know, so on and so forth. So when you're talking about going for a home, that lender might be more inclined to approve you on that because they're looking at who's in that neighborhood. Right. And if you're looking at value-add properties like we always talk about, there's usually going to be in neighborhoods that are lower income. Now, lower income doesn't always mean black and Hispanic people. Yeah, but 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 if there's a Starbucks in that that has come to that mm -hmm. neighborhood, you know it's about to change. Hold and up, a lot of up. times, okay, I'm but sorry. That, I'm getting that. Okay, but what I'm saying is because of systems and things that's been put in place, mm -hmm. they push minorities into certain neighborhoods. So when you talk about value add, you talk about properties that are are on the lower end of the scale, right? That you can get in fix up and get rent right and get cash flow there's going to be blacks and mexicans you know or just minorities period so they might approve you for that because you're like hey we want to get this four unit over here and we're going to live in one of the units and they look and see who's in that neighborhood mm -hmm. right it's right. probably not going to be filled with white collar whites and asians right so oh yeah yeah we'll prove that see you but see you buying an investment property mm-hmm they may not know your intentions. You just feel like, hey, I just want to get in there. Now, I'm saving on rent because I have a mortgage now. I have other people helping me pay that mortgage. Anything happen, I just go up on the rent or whatever. Well, I got help. But see, now I have, a, I have an investment property. See, but when you talk about them denying you a home loans, if, if that neighborhood was single family, just a, home, a house, and it was majority whites and Asians, as a black person or Hispanic person, your chances of getting into that neighborhood getting approved up for a loan is going to go down, right? Because they're looking at who's in the neighborhood already. Mm -hmm. See, so that in my in my eyes, not buying a house first and actually buying a, a, a multifamily, duplex, triplex, four unit, first helps. Because if you bought that first and appreciation happens like it did during COVID and since COVID, and you say, oh, you know what? We really want a house. Okay, now we can sell it because now this duplex, triplex, four unit is now worth two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars more. Mm -hmm. So now we go to sell it. Ain't no all you black. We, you know, if you do pull that on an appraisal, that's fine. We're gonna ask for another appraisal, mm -hmm. but we're gonna make sure we get that right appraisal and we're gonna get that money. And now when we want to go and find another neighborhood that we want to go live in, you come up with a big, you come up with big money. Now, there might be a couple of homeowners that won't sell to you because you're black. That's fine. But there's some of them that don't give a damn. Mm -hmm. they like, yeah, we want $600,000 for this house. And you're like, all right, well, we got $500,000. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we sign? You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, you can look at it from a negative standpoint on, on these banks not lending to you because, you, you know, you're black or Hispanic versus whites and Asians. But you can also look at it from the standpoint of, I don't want to buy a house first. Mm -hmm. I want to buy that that multifamily and let it pay for the house. And again, unless you're going into a neighborhood that's already gentrified, like you said with the Starbucks and stuff, mm -hmm. those tenants might look different. They might look like the white collar tenants, right? That's, that's that that can pay or that's willing to pay that nineteen hundred, two thousand, twenty five hundred dollars a month. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about getting in there. You still may get approved. But think about it now, how that neighborhood looks now because it's gentrified versus if you catch it before it gets gentrified. Mm -hmm. Because now those people in the neighborhood, most of them probably look like you. And see, that's the thing. I mean, that sounds great, right? That sounds great. But it's not even sounding reason, great. It listen, just sounds realistic. It's realistic. But for some reason, we don't see value in our own neighborhoods. That's the thing. You <laughs> fix it up, right? You know what I'm saying? You go into these neighborhoods that they don't want to come to yet mm -hmm. because they look at it like, oh, oh no, I see some graffiti or I heard a couple gunshots. That's or, not even true anymore. Because nah, <laughs> they be like, hey, you see that shooting down the street? 
Well, it didn't happen at yeah, my house. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, because now it's more of like, I don't know if it's just more bold where they just like, look, we just coming. We coming and we we'll come call in. the police. We don't give a we'll, damn we'll, if you lived here your whole life. Yeah, we'll, we'll call, call the police. police. <laughs> and, uh, and also because how much home prices have soared throughout the nation, mm-hmm. they know, oh, those people that were there, they're not going to be able to stay. Right. So it's just a matter of time before they gone. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna be able to stay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's he's it's, talking about they. He means us, or you know, you know, black, black and Hispanic people. Mm-hmm. You know, majority, not all of us, right? Uh, but you know, you're just talking about that transfer, that transfer of wealth. We've gotten hit, and a lot of us don't understand it. We don't comprehend it. We don't see it. We talk about rent. Oh man, my rent was twelve hundred dollars. Now they want to go up to seventeen. Okay, they. You know, I don't know when they're gonna stop. <laughs> But now, guess what? <laughs> okay, I don't know when they're going to stop. You got to pay that $500 extra or find somewhere else. But guess what? That might be the norm now. That is the norm. 1700 might be the norm for a one-bedroom apartment. You know what I'm saying? A lot of cities. So, think about if you would have had a, a, a multifamily or a house, if, if that's what you chose, you'd be locked in for 30 Yeah, you locked in for 30 But we just got... We don't find value in our neighborhoods. We don't find value in things that we don't understand. No, and that, but we don't find value in our neighborhoods. And let's say in business, certain businesses until white people say, yeah, that that's, that's, that's perfect for us until it has to be a white person that says this is perfect for us. And then black people say, you know what? I'm going to jump on board. That's typical in real estate. In other industries, you know, I can't. We can't speak for yeah, that. Yeah, we talking about but real estate. Yeah. We talking about real estate. Oh my gosh, it is so funny how you see like we'll drive through neighborhoods in different cities, and you'll see like, um, you know, a couple of dilapidated homes, and then you'll see you know, elderly people in the neighborhood, black elderly or Latino people in the neighborhood, and then you'll see next door to them is this beautiful rehabbed home right next door to them and it, you know you're like wow i don't understand this yeah why can't we do it why can't but, we do you know it? again we're not there's not enough black people in real estate mm-hmm. period you know what i mean there's a lot of us there's not enough of us and and we don't know the all the aspects of it right from developing Appraisals, appraisals, inspectors, inspections, you know, maintenance, mm-hmm. uh, contracting, you know, so we can actually to to the point where it changes our mindset where we go into a neighborhood and we look at it, we say, okay, this neighborhood needs some work, mm-hmm. but you know what? If we fix this up and do this and put this over here, oh shoot! And look where it's sitting at. Oh, it's right by the highway. Or it's right by downtown. Or it's right by the water. See, other nationalities, other cultures do that. And then by the time that they, when they see that, and they like, oh, okay, yeah, we coming in. Then you like, oh, man, where, where these white people come from, bro? They, they <laughs> out here jogging and walking the dog. It's like they coming because they already saw mm-hmm. the treasure in what you thought was trash. Right. But see, the problem doesn't, the issue with me, just me personally, I don't have an issue. And I know Ramon doesn't living amongst people of other cultures. That is not the problem at all. The problem to me is if you live in a neighborhood where I grew up and people that look like me grew up, and then I'm walking down the street casually and you crossing streets and shit, or you grabbing your purse, or you got to lock your doors and everybody around here wake up and go to work just like you do. So don't come, don't bring that, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, that energy. That Well, not the energy, but that, that, uh, that passive... Ideology. Yeah, that, that passive racism into our neighborhood. Don't bring... Because that, that's passive. You're not calling me what you want to call me, but you you that energy is passed on to me. You making me feel like I'm not, like I'm not fit enough to live in the world. You know what I mean? Well, like know, I don't, I don't like that feeling. Yeah, I mean that that that's, me. that those type of people that's gonna go wherever they go because they thinking about what they pay for this property to get into this neighborhood, how much they invested, you know, and in their lifestyle. So 
you know, like you said, they bringing this million dollar home in the middle of a street of a neighborhood where all the houses is worth two hundred thousand. Right. And they like, oh, look, at, oh, I can't believe I'm surrounded by these people. And you like, you put yourself there. Yeah. But see, now you're gonna just spread that mindset, which means you're gonna do what you can to feel like you need to do for survival to get all those people out to bring other people with your same mindset in. Right. And that's what you know, gentrification in this country. Unfortunately, that's what happened. That's what happened. And right. you know, but we, you can't be mad. We allowed. and that's the and that's the other thing too. When these grocery stores and these, um, you know, and all these other establishments come into gentrified neighborhoods, and you go into some of these establishments, they almost looking at you like, "Well, what you doing in here?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what what you doing here? What you doing shopping mm-hmm. here? I do not beg people to take my money. That's one thing I will not do. God damn it. If you <laughs> look at me crazy and you want to follow me around the grocery store, guess what? You're going to be carrying these damn groceries. But at the same time, a lot of this has to do with the main subject, right? And that's lending. <clears throat> that's the banks. If you're not lending to blacks and Hispanics, you're you're denying refinances, right? That means you're, you're denying access uh, for us to homeownership. Right. Right, and you're giving it to other people, which means now we're going to get pushed out, which means now we're not going to be able to keep neighbor or you know because you think about certain black neighborhoods that they go to the banks and say, hey, we want we want to um, get loans to fix our houses up. Mm-hmm. They may deny that because they may say, well, man, you don't really have enough equity or because you know now you want to fix up your neighborhood, but if wife's or agent comes in, they'll give them the money to fix mm-hmm. it up because they're like, okay, we know. You're going to add value to the neighborhood, not just because of what you do, but because of what you look like, right? Because then and then we're going to give you money to bring in these other businesses as well, right? Where other minority, you know, blacks and Hispanics, they're not always going to do that, right? So now that talks about group economics and you putting your own money together. Stop going to these banks, you know what I mean? Because you know that they're redlining you without telling you that. Mm-hmm. You can see it. So it's like, that's why black-owned banks are... Hispanic-owned banks, whatever you, whoever wants their own bank, right, or just neighborhood banks, credit unions are good because they're investing in the community. Mm-hmm. They're investing in the neighborhood. And if you put the the big banks or whoever to the side and say, look, we don't need your money. We're going to fix up our own neighborhood. Now you're just going to add value. So um, it's kind of a, you know, it's a lot of variables um, to a lot of this. And, you know, it's just the more we know, like I said, the more you do research, the more you figure out, what you should do and how you should do it, how you build wealth, because it's being taken from us right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, focus on this while we do this over here. And by the time you find out what we're doing, it's too late. Right. They're taking neighborhoods. You're losing neighborhoods that are in prime locations. You're not getting that back. No, no, you're not. You're not getting that back. They gave it away once because remember a white flight. They moved mm, to the suburbs. They moved to the back from the suburbs into these areas. They said we was on vacation for a minute. We we back now. We want that back. You buy downtown. You buy the water. We want that back. I will say this, though. Um, Here in Austin, the beautiful thing that I've seen well, I've seen through, you know, my own eyes, my own experiences, I'm not saying it's the same for everybody else, is that when you go through certain areas that's gentrified here, you see people basically, you know, like happily walking hand in hand with a, a just an array of different types of cultures, mm-hmm. which is, you know, which is not the norm or standard for a lot of different areas, but here... I see it a lot. Like when I go over to the east side, I see like white people dining with black people or, you know, um, you know, just pay, uh, patronizing black establishments, you know, and stuff like that. And and that Asian establishments, you know, you see a lot of different people just kind of mixing together and they're not really worried about, you know, hey, I, this is a black store. Or this is a white store. No, they like I've spent my money where I feel comfortable at. Again, you want to go where places you're celebrated and not tolerated. So it's not everywhere. And again, this isn't every black person's belief. 
And this isn't every white, you know, and every white person doesn't believe the opposite. I mean, there are so many white allies that's like, look, I don't care where I live, just as long as me and my kids got a place to stay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and we're able to live in a neighborhood that, like, remember I was telling you about one of the clients that I'm, you know, that I'm currently working with. I remember her and her husband stating when they were buying a home, oh, we're not worried about the schools. Uh, our kids will be fine. <laughs> she was like, we want a good place to stay for uh, a reasonable amount. Because I, you know, I have to ask those kind of like kind of questions like, okay, well, where are you looking to live? What, what, you know, do you have a preference, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I want to live somewhere where it's multicultural. I want my kids to learn from everybody. So it's, you know, the perspective is different for everyone. However, with Wells Fargo, we know one thing to be true. They do not want a loan to your black ass. <laughs> at least not that much. If at all. Yeah, not that much. So, yeah, hopefully uh, that was some good insight. You know, we not, uh, we definitely not co-signing Wells Fargo. Uh, I don't bank with them. Never have. Um, for that reason, I guess, or just, I don't know. I, I got a never, car loan with them, but I for I, sure ain't had no credit card or anything that would, that would, help me you know what i mean yeah yeah so. acquire some sort of wealth in my opinion house, though like i said loan when, you, nothing. when you're going to get for loans i always look at you know probably banks that i always currently bank at if you have credit unions you know credit unions or go online lender you know there's a lot of online lenders like rocket mortgage or uh what's another one i forget but just google I kind of try to stay away from like the Chases and the Wells Fargo's U.S. banking them. I don't really call them. I might call them just to see what they offer, but I don't really tend to mess with them. Mm-mm. I'll go to lenders who may not even be here, like where I'm at, or you know they may have a few branches around the country, you know. Um, but just call different lenders, you know, and stay away from Wells Fargo, I guess. So. <laughs> but yeah, that is the show for today. Thank you for. Allowing us to rant. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Slow Wealth Podcast. That is Success Lives on Elevation. I am Kendra. And Ramon. And we're going to close out by saying the world is changed by your example, not your opinion. We are on Facebook. All podcast platforms. Where else are we? Everywhere. Just listen to the other <laughs> episodes uh, and Spotify, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. We need to get a TikTok. We do have YouTube at Slow Wealth, S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H. You can email us at invest at slowwealth.com. That is I-N-V-A-S-T at S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H dot com. Holla at your girl. All right, we'll see you. Booyah.